Owning a home in Naperville is about living a great life today and investing in a secure tomorrow. On this show, we're going to give you the tools to do both. Welcome to the Naperville Real Estate Weekly Market Update. Hey, Naperville. I'm Chris Grano with Keller Williams Realty, and my co-host is Todd Gosden with Compass Mortgage, and this is the Naperville Real Estate Weekly Market Update. Todd, how are you doing? I am doing great. Thanks for asking. Crazy market, crazy times, but lots of fun. Oh man, absolutely. It keeps us, keeps us running, keeps us <laughs> interested, you know? To say the stuff. least. <laughs> so we're going to dive into the numbers this week in Naperville. We're going to talk about a topic too that I think we have certainly touched on since the beginning of this, this season, but it's, it's worth uh, talking about again. And that's how to deal with multiple offers as a buyer. Now we can, we can get into that on the selling side as well. But, um, you know, with the preponderance of, of folks out there looking for homes and a low inventory, it's a question that comes up with just about every single buyer I talk to. And it's not just, you know, in one certain price point. So that's important. So we'll definitely get into that. I'm sure you're seeing some of your buyers that you're working with have the same problem, right? Oh, yeah. People are frustrated right now. They're trying to figure it out for sure. Yeah. So we'll, we'll give them some tips and some tricks. Um, we're going to talk about the numbers. So um, we're going to dive into this week's activity. And this week in Naperville, we had 115 new listings. Now, if you've watched the show last week, I told you we had 196 new listings. I think that report got a little wonky with some updates in our MLS. So let's go back two weeks and see that two weeks ago, we had 117 new listings. Compare that to this week, 115. So we're still right on track with a nice, healthy, busy spring market. And we look at the number of homes under contract this week. That's That number is actually down now from last week and the week before. So we only had 101 homes go under contract last week. It's interesting. It's not a huge shift. But it's about a 15% difference. So maybe a little bit less activity on the buy side. Another symptom of this, and I can tell you just for anecdotally, Todd, I'm out there with some buyers and we're starting to see sellers push that push the market with their pricing. And I'm finally starting to see some homes that are are pushing it a little too much. And so they're sitting out there for a couple of weeks because the buyers are going, eh, I don't want to pay that, you know? <laughs> so finally, <laughs> so finally, we're starting to see a little pushback. We'll see if that continues. Um, but 68 homes closed this week, which is right in line with where we were last week. So when we look at the inventory, um, I'm just going to give you trends here, but basically in that sub 500,000 range, that price range, we're down a little bit, but still a strong seller's market and looking at about 51 days on market to sell between 500 and 750 numbers. Again, roughly the same from the last several weeks, we're at 2.72 again, seller's market. 57 days to sell a property in that. So really unchanged for the last three, four weeks here. When we get into the 750 to a million, we're seeing a little bit of increase there. We're seeing some more homes come to the market. And now we're looking really more of a balance there in that 750 to 1 million range, taking about five months to sell a home in that price range. And then as we get into the million dollar and above range, seeing again, another increase in inventory um, and about a full year on average to sell a home in that price range. So Todd, I know you're talking with buyers and sellers every day. You talk to real estate agents, anything come up in the last week or so that just kind of strikes you as, as, you know, something that people could value to hear. 
Well, I think right now we're, I would consider us in a little bit of a timeout. And what I mean by that is, is that you have spring break for the community of, of the Western suburbs of Chicago, where people are finally saying, okay, I need a break. Okay. I need a break from a lot of things, but they've just gone through 12 months of difficulty with jobs and kids and COVID and all these things going on. And then you bring on top of that, like you couldn't travel or wasn't recommended to travel. And then you have inventory shortages that are historic. People need a break. <laughs> they really need a break, which is fine. So yeah. I really feel that what we're going to see is just a little bit of tail off in things going into April here as we enter April. And I think it will work that way through April. And then we will start to build inventory going into May, June, July, and August. And here's why I say that is typically when you start seeing values rise as much as they have over the last 13, 14 months with the expectation they're going to continue to rise. That's when sometimes you see statistically inventory start to increase because people are going, okay, my house has gotten to a value. I think I'm just going to sell it. Right. Right. Or it's a secondary property or it's an investment property, whatever it is. So, Trending, I would su suggest and say that we could start seeing some inventory coming back into the market over the next six months because really what we're dealing with is a phenomenon, right? It's it's very unusual to see this at this kind of shortage, and it's just not here, but it's a coast to coast, north to south. So I think once we get through April and we start seeing some uh, people resting, we see the market resting, we're going to start coming back. And I think that with rates still as low as they are, we're going to start seeing value and probably finding some more inventory and giving people that opportunity to buy homes. Yeah, you made some really fantastic observations there. Number one, I think you are right. I think spring break has something to do with the fact that we've seen a little bit of less activity yeah. in the last week or so. You know, Pete, you're right. People are, and, and now that we're getting further along as we try to exit this pandemic, I think people are like, okay, let's let's go somewhere. Let's do something. Yep. And, and it's a great point. And I am seeing... I am seeing more inventory come to market and, you know, it's interesting because I think, like you said, you pointed out one thing was investors, you know, investors are, are looking and going, wow, I mean, I've never seen pricing like this. I can divest myself. I've had conversations with fellow agents and with some investors, especially in the condo market who are getting ready to, I mean, I talked to one agent who represents an investor. He has an investor looking to unload four or five condos in the area in the next month alone. Wow. So. I think, um, and I've talked to just residential home sellers as well. I had a conversation with a, a couple today who said, you know, we weren't even thinking about selling and we just saw the pricing and we thought we ought to take advantage of it. Absolutely. So Absolutely. yeah, you're right. I, I think I, I do hope and I agree with you. I think we'll see a rise in inventory. Yep. So for, for right now, we're still in this low inventory market, especially in the, the lower half of the of the market. So what I wanted to talk about is, is a couple of real examples, tips for people to win in these, these multiple offer scenarios. Okay. And we've touched on one before, but I just want you to expound a little bit. Just talk to me about some of the things people can do from a financing perspective to, you know, whether it's, whether they have a conventional loan or FHA or VA or, or whatever, what are a, a few things they can do to improve the way that their financing looks to a seller? I think first is just get ahead of it, right? Let's let's start. If you plan on you really are serious that you want to sell or buy a home, start planning for it ahead of time. Uh, the process of buying what typically is most people's most valuable investment, um, you you can't do everything short term, right? You can't do everything going. Okay, I'm going to go look. I'm going to buy a house on Saturday. Let's start the process today. 
right. which is a Wednesday, right? So right. what we have to do is, is create, uh, take emotion as much as we can out of this experience and start creating some logic of it, right? Because we want people to be empowered to make decisions. And the way we do that is being prepared, right? Is, is many people prepared to buy a car, they look at it online forever and ever and ever and ever, and finally they go pick it out the two they want to look at and buy it, right? Well, houses are a little bit different, right? You want to see, feel, touch, you want to get in them. Photos can really skew the perspective of what all the rooms look like and all those things. So it is different, but you have to get your financing in order first before you can start looking at these houses. With so many people looking, and you can speak to this, they want to know that they're pre-approved and ready to go, right? That's number one. Right. Number two is if you're going to get yourself ready, then you might as well just put your file into underwriting and start underwriting without a contract or an address. That way you're getting ahead of the game. You're trying to and we're trying to to give you the best opportunity to win. Right. And winning is means you're prepared. You're either coming with cash, you're coming without a house to sell, or you're coming prepared. One of the two things. But all those different things is you've got to be prepared. You've got to be prepared to act quickly. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, and and you mentioned one thing right there. Talk, you mentioned, and I'll touch on that a little bit more in depth. Is uh, coming without a house to sell. So that's one example, right? That people can get ahead and put themselves in a better position to win. Yep. Now, if you, if you're coming from renting, great. You know, you're in a good position. Hopefully, you have a good uh, relationship with your landlord. Maybe you can break early. Maybe you can go month to month. But if you don't have to sell a house, you're going to be in a much better situation. So what if you do? And I've talked to homeowners, and and we can find solutions for anybody, any situation, you know, one idea might be like this couple that I talked to today, they're going to sell and then they're going to stay with mom and dad for a short time. So they don't have to worry about being con contingent buyers. So that's an option. One option, uh, another option might be to sell with a, a long closing date. One option might be to sell with a, a buying contingency. In other words, the sale is contingent on them finding a home. So there are things you can do to help bridge that process. And then I just want to touch on, on a couple things real quick here. And it's more of a warning than anything. And, and I hope that if our listeners out there uh, are working with a great realtor in the area, that their agent's giving them this advice. Um, there's two things that I see a lot of buyers doing right now. Number one, they're jacking up the asking price, you know, like crazy, right? And you want to be careful for a couple of reasons. Number one, you don't want to overpay. And a lot of folks will say, well, you know, we have the appraisal to keep that in check. And that's true. Um, however, <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of people waive, uh, they will cover the difference in appraisal and sale price. And I just got to be honest with you. It's not something I recommend to my buyers. You're talking, you're telling someone that you are now going to willingly and knowingly overpay for a home and and hey if, if it's going to be your your final place that you that you want and money is no object and you don't care then maybe that's a good decision for you but for folks who might have to sell that home in f three four five six years because of a life change i personally feel uncomfortable recommending that uh, any yeah. thoughts on that i listen uh agreed i have nothing else to say about that then yeah <laughs> What else I mean, I, again, again, if you got, I mean, again, I mean, I'm not being funny. Hey, if you're, if you're out there and you're shopping for a, a home, you know, a 1.2 and, and, and honestly, I mean, money is important to all of us. Right. But if you, but so, at some point, what you want becomes what you want. And if you're willing to bridge that gap, because darn it, you just want it, then that's fine. Good for you. You're in a great situation and you have every, every right to do that. 
But I would say for the majority of our buyers, I consider it really my job to look out for their financial future. And it's just one thing I, I, I have uncomfortability when I see. Number two is when it comes to inspections, right? So a lot of folks will either do a one of two things. They'll take a home as is, or they'll waive an inspection. And both of these things can give you a leg up in a multiple offer scenario. What's important to remember is those two things are not equal. Taking a home as is means that you're not gonna ask the sellers to do a bunch of repairs, but you're still gonna hold that inspection. Yep. That's what I generally recommend. The only way that I would, I would recommend to a buyer to waive an inspection is maybe on a home that's really, really new, three years old or less, um, maybe on a condo where we feel like we can see just about everything in the home from a visual perspective. But again, waiving inspection puts you at risk. And I, I just see in the frenzy of this market, people doing things that I, I think they could regret later. And I just want to point out that there, are, there could be real consequences, financial and otherwise, uh, to acting without wisdom in this frenzied market. Any other thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, I just I think that this is your lane of expertise. And I just always caution people is don't allow your emotions to take over the logic. Yeah. Because yeah. ultimately, when you get yourself into that place, then uh, there's no barriers and there's no boundaries for what you'll do. So that's really, great. that's that's truly where the value of your agent partner comes in, is they're going to be able to guide you. And, and the reality is this is they're out for your best interest, not actually out for a commission. Right. And so right. they're giving you advice based on their expertise and what they know. And I think that that's what you bring to the table is, is that you're guiding them through a process that emotion can take over and make a decision that you may regret in the future. Yeah. Just ask all the people of 2007 and eight when they made those decisions based on emotion. Right. Some are still paying for it today, 12, 13, 14 years later. So. Yeah. Don't get caught up in it. Be very logical and systematic about your decision making and then move forward together as a mutual decision. Couldn't have said it better. That's perfect advice. It, it talks ties into what we talked about last week as well. So thank you, Todd, for your insight. <laughs> I hope you guys all have a great week and everybody have a happy Easter. Make sure you find some of those uh, eggs around the house somewhere. And I hope they have dollar bills or you know at least something exciting inside them. Uh, but um, we will talk to you guys next week. Be sure to follow us on all the major podcast platforms, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and of course on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chris Grano. Todd, you have a wonderful weekend. You too. Thanks, man. Take care, everybody. See you guys.